Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Muckoff and PNW Components, and I've got a great competition and a discount code coming right up. With a continuing trend for longer reach and wider handlebars, PNW Components set out to design a bar that works in harmony with our new geometry preferences. Using a 10 degree back sweep and a 5 degree up sweep, combined with a compliant 2014 aluminium, the range handlebar gives a more ergonomic riding position that's easier on your shoulders and reduces wrist fatigue. Add in a 30mm rise and the PNW Components range handlebar creates the perfect blend for your most demanding rides. And unlike most things in the bike industry at the moment, they're actually in stock and available now. Head to pnwcomponents.com now to find out more. I have to say that when a muck-off bike-specific pressure washer arrived in my house, I was pretty excited. I had a ton of mucky kit to clean from my Scotland trip and half of Scotland to clean off my bike. The muck-off pressure washer didn't disappoint. It's specifically made with bikes in mind, so it's not going to damage your bearings. There's an awesome snow foam attachment that means you can cover your bike evenly in muck-off in about four seconds. It made cleaning my bike and kit an absolute pleasure, and it made me want to go out and get it mucky again so I could use it all over again. Never has cleaning your bike been so much fun. It comes with its very own waterproof storage bag, and it's really compact so it's easy to transport when you head off for rides or races. Just plug it in, connect to water supply, and away you go. Muckoff are kindly giving away a pressure washer bundle and all you have to do to be in with a chance to win one is to answer one easy question over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash muckoff. That's M-U-C-O-F-F. Head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash muckoff now and enter. You've got until the end of June to get it done. Muckoff are also offering 20% off to all downtime listeners for the month of June. All you need to do is to use the code DOWNTIME20. That's downtime, all uppercase, followed by the number 20. No spaces over at the checkout on muckoff.com. It's a single use per customer, so make sure you make the most of it. It doesn't apply to sale items, but it covers everything else. So hit up muckoff.com and see what you need. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can get your hands on my range of merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. As always, it's top quality, organic, and it's made in a factory using renewable energy and delivered with no single-use plastics. Head over now and check it all out. All the proceeds help support and improve the show. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's probably a button there that says follow or subscribe, so just hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe and there's links there to all the major platforms to help you. I'd also really love it if you've got time to give me a quick follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date with what's going on and it's always lovely to hear from you in the comments and messages over there, so keep them coming. Okay, the second stop on my Scotland road trip was Fort William to visit one of 2020's breakthrough riders, Michaela Parton. Michaela made waves last year with a fifth place at World Champs, which she backed up with two top tens in Maribor before sustaining a nasty concussion at the final round in Lusa. Michaela is a latecomer to mountain bikes, so we find out how she's progressed so fast. Michaela is super driven and her results really show what you can do when you combine hard work and talent. So without further ado, here's Michaela Parton. Michaela Parton, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, really cool to, to be on the podcast. <laughs> no, it's, it's a pleasure. You just took me for a pretty awesome ride up on the hill. 
you've got some fairly special trails locally, right? Yeah, I uh, was nervous uh, that you weren't going to like them, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, good to see where your kind of, I guess, your local training ground is. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll talk a bit about that in, in a little while. But tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Fort William, because it's, I mean, it's a fairly big town, but you're quite, you're distant from anywhere, really. Um, and I think you grew up kind of even outside of Fort William, even further afield. So yeah, yeah tell us a bit about what it was like as a kid. Yeah, I I loved it as a kid. Um, just, yeah, I grew up like outside of Fort William, uh, climbing trees, just the usual. Uh, and then, yeah, I think as a teenager, I really didn't appreciate living here. Like looking back now, I, I just think this is such an amazing place. But when you're like 16 and you just want to be in cities and even when, when I was thinking of applying for uni that's all I was thinking about like oh I want to live in Glasgow or I want to go away um, and it wasn't until obviously I started mountain biking that I realised how cool this place is and I did always ski living here and I liked that but no I definitely didn't appreciate it but I do now I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and you were quite you were pretty late to the mountain bike side of things which seems strange like growing up in a town that has the only World Cup in the UK. Did you, were you aware of mountain biking? Were you going to the World Cup? Like, Well, yeah, I mean, I started at like 17, 18, uh, really late, uh, just when I was leaving school. But I was aware of mountain biking in the sense that I'd been to the World Cup. Just it was a thing you did when you grew up here. Like the schools would get taken to the World Cup when in high school you got given like a free ticket. Nice. But um, I never went and knew what was going on. It was more <laughs> like just like 16-year-old running around having fun. Like I didn't really know what it was. Um, and even when I'd be going skiing, you'd, you'd be going up the gondola passing the track. But I just didn't know what it was. I just it didn't cross my mind. I remember I used to run up the red track with my mum and I remember being like I can't believe people come down this on bikes like <laughs> are they nuts <laughs> Wait, so what triggered the the idea to give it a go and um, my wee brother he started going to a cycling club here the West Highland Wheelers and then my mum naturally got into it because she wanted to go with him and uh, she got really into it. She's such a good rider um, and she did some racing as well. Okay. Um, and it just kind of, yeah, naturally happened that she just was like, oh, you should come kind of thing. And so I, I just like borrowed a bike. Um, and I honestly can't even remember how it got to like this, but I just loved it. Like I, <laughs> I, I think from skiing and always being into kind of stuff like that, uh, the minute I tried it, I was like, this is amazing. And I mean... I did crash a lot when I immediately started because I just went like, in, I just tried anything. If someone else was riding something, I was like, I'm going to try that. And usually never could do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my wee brother, he basically uh, started off. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, I'm guessing not an easy place to learn to ride because there's not many mellow trails here, are there? No, like I, I think it's like the best and worst thing that's been for me. Like sometimes it would have been nice if there was easier stuff but there isn't like you've got a couple of trail center stuff but if you don't want to be riding that everything is hard here and I just kind of threw myself in the deep end and I wanted to ride those tracks so I would just keep trying and I used to hate like anything that was muddy or rooty which is basically everything here yeah. <laughs> I hated it so much because I couldn't ride it I didn't enjoy not being good at it and so I just kept riding that stuff and generally riding with people who obviously were way better than me and that could ride it and uh, I mean now I love that's my favorite kind of riding uh, but yeah it's 
you learn to ride a bike here, you're learning on uh, really hard tracks. <laughs> sure. Did you get a decent bike from the get-go? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, I was really lucky to have a like a really decent bike. I think that bike was actually originally supposed to be for my brother, but because I got into it so quickly, I think it just kind of went to me. <laughs> Poor Josh. Sorry, Josh. Uh, he's got a good bike now. <laughs> but um, that would have helped a lot. I do think, like, a lot of people say, oh, you should have started on a hardtail. I started on, like, a full suspension. But um, yeah. it's just what I, I got given and what I had. Um yeah, and I think that yeah. with the trails and everything around here, like, I mean, it would be pretty hard work on a hardtail. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I started riding the downhill track as well on my trail bike. That's how I kind of was like, ooh, downhill. Because um, I was enjoying that. And then naturally got a downhill bike because I was like, don't really want to be riding my trail bike down this. <laughs> yeah, fair play. <laughs> so, like, do you think the skiing background helped with the riding side of things? Yeah, definitely. I think... You understand grip just from, well, if you're skiing Scotland, you'll understand that it's icy and there's rocks. <laughs> and I think, yeah, the and the speed part, like skiing is fast. And I've skied my whole life and worked as an instructor. And so I've skied a lot. And yeah, you just get that used to that feeling of going fast, but also enjoying that feeling. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think it all kind of, and balance as well. I feel like the balance of skiing kind of crossed over. But um, apart from that, I think it was just the fact that I ride my bike a lot. <laughs> and not maybe not so afraid of crashing. Is that is crashing something you're okay with? Uh, I think when I started, I wasn't afraid of crashing at all. Okay. I think that's, that's, looking back, I scare myself even thinking about <laughs> it. I'm terrified now. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was always the gravity side of things, right? It was the yeah. adrenaline and there was never a thought of like, oh, I quite enjoy the the pedal inside of this oh, no. I might go and do a cross country race <laughs> no way <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not I mean uh, I do a lot I still do a lot of pedaling but I did a lot of pedaling there like then on my trail bike but it was just for the downs and the minute I got to try the downhill track on my trail bike I was like this is what I want to do this is so fun I just loved the feeling of like on that track if I rode a section I hadn't ridden before do a drop or a jump I just and I still chase that feeling. Uh, that's what got me hooked and that's what made me want to go down a bike. <laughs> yeah. What, so what about the racing side of things then? Were you ski racing as a kid or? No. I okay. mean, maybe like a really local little race, but no, yeah. I did no racing. Yeah. Okay. What Was it an obvious choice then for you to go to a mountain bike race? What drove you in that side of things? I guess thinking about it like that, no. I, I never really did anything competitive uh growing up like I am but I am a competitive person in myself I do always want to be good at stuff uh -huh. um but no I was never doing competitive sport but I think I got my downhill bike and then just really shortly after I uh decided to do an SDA in Elethan. I had no idea what an SDA was but <laughs> me and my friend Connor who I rode with a lot when I started I went to school with him and I started riding he was like yeah let's go and we both worked at Nevis Range at the high, high ropes course mm -hmm. so we just were ready to go after work at like five we drove to Inners and stayed on like a floor of the student accommodation of something we knew <laughs> <laughs> and then just went to this race and it was just the best thing ever like I just I think I had the best time because I had no expectation I didn't know what it was like I even remember being in the start gate and it was like counting down and they were like, I was like, oh, when do I go? And he's like, go. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everyone was just so nice. And 
just from that, I was like, oh, this is well fun. Like, I want to do this and not in, in any way thinking I was going to try and do it as like a job or anything, just yeah. for fun. <laughs> nice. How were, like, were you competitive? How were you getting on in those early races? Yeah, that, that one I actually did quite well at, which I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like, I, I didn't do too bad. And and that, that probably helped as well, like seeing a kind of relatively good result. Uh, I thought, oh, maybe I should do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for like the next like two years, I'd just be working and going to any races that I could fit in in Scotland and occasionally in Wales, but it was hard with work and yeah. uh, work. My work was always really good at uh, making sure I had like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I did a lot of track walks in the dark in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Arrive at like ten and then realise it was completely pointless to walk it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Where well, you need a really good torch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the iPhone didn't hold up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So that was, I think your first race was 2016. Yeah. And by 2019, mm-hmm. you're racing World Cups. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, t- tell me a little bit about how you get from your first downhill race and then three years later you're on the World Cup scene. It just has to be a bit of a nutcase, I think. <laughs> I think I just, uh, just took every opportunity that kind of I was given um even if I felt like they were out of reach I did it anyway and I might that might seem like I'm really confident but I wasn't like I I was fully like I don't think I can do this but I just did it anyway uh but yeah I was offered the support after Scottish Champs at Fort William I won that and I kind of got an offer like do you want to race World Cups next year and we'll support you and I was like from Green Power and I'm still with them they're just amazing people what, what is Green Power like? What? So they're an energy company. So okay. actually, nothing to do with mountain bikes, but they've got um, a huge interest in it. They mountain bike themselves. Uh-huh. They've got Sunday mountain bikes, and um, they support the SDA series as well. Uh, okay. So it's kind of through that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was like, yes, <laughs> I do want to do that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I mean, I'm terrified, but uh, before, like, if that offer hadn't been given to me there's no way I would have had the confidence in myself to be like oh I'm gonna race world cups because you just feel like you just wouldn't you're like it sounds a bit crazy doesn't it (laughs) it does sound quite crazy yeah fair play so what level of support was that then like were they just giving you some funding or how did it work yeah just funding to get to the uh, to the races yep so um helping me with my my travel expenses to get there which uh is a incredible because I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them and still wouldn't be able to do it without them so yeah. I appreciate it a lot <laughs> yeah nice and so you you kind of you missed junior world cups right because you were still working your way up like, yeah I've, I've never raced as a junior even that yeah. first SDA I was uh, in senior <laughs> so it's your first year elite first world cup you turn up like just talk us through that a little bit it was Maribor wasn't it it was yeah yeah I traveled out um with uh, Ross Bell, yeah. um, he's a friend of mine, and uh, so I got out there, and yeah, it was just on my own, like, and a trek. Luckily, because I was on trek bikes through Nevis Range, allowed me to leave my bag in their pit because I didn't have anywhere to go, basically, to leave yeah. a bag. <laughs> and I appreciate that so much. Just yeah, I don't know what I would have done without that. Um, and it was just all a bit crazy, but I think. It was just a race at the end of the day and I was just happy to be there and get the support to, to be there, obviously. And uh, I loved the track and 
uh, it was really dry, but it, I don't know if you remember, but it rained right at qualifying for yeah. like the last kind of riders, which was me. And uh, <laughs> I had never ridden like that kind of bike park berm uh, before in the wet, like, because I'd not, not really done much traveling to ride. Yeah. And uh, it was raining at the top. And I remember a couple of the girls who were left, including me, they were like, oh God, it's raining, it's raining. And I was like, guys, it's just a bit of rain. It's like a drizzle. <laughs> this is fine. It won't change at all. And then the top, you go through the top section, it, that was fine. It hadn't changed. Hit one of those burns and my bike just like, I just had a massive crash. And <laughs> I was like, that went well. <laughs> Got to the bottom. I was like, right. <laughs> It's like ice, that place, right? Oh, when it, gets it was wet. literally like ice. <laughs> um, my mum had, came, uh, she didn't travel out with me, but she came out just for the race. And so it was nice to see her at the bottom. She was a bit like, what happened? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is actually really slippy in the wet. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, a DNQ then for the first round. It was, round. Yeah. How do you How do you feel about that? I guess at that point, maybe not so much pressure. Like, Oh, yeah. Like I was, um, I was upset about it, yeah. uh, but... I mean, I'd be lying if I was saying I w- would have thought that I'd qualify that that race. Like it was my first one, and uh, I didn't have any expectation on myself. But yeah, definitely still annoyed. Like I wanted to qualify, yeah. um, uh, so it just made me more motivated to try again. <laughs> what was the second round that year? Was it Fort William? Fort William. So your yeah. hometown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really excited for that, and. Um, all your family there, like everyone yeah, turned yeah. up. Yeah, and... a lot of friends. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, the feeling, and you know, I've only done that one race at Fort William in a World Cup, and just being up at the top, it was just crazy. And there was bagpipes actually playing right before my run. I was like, <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had, a, I had a huge mistake at the top. Like you can see it in my splits. I think I was like 24th on my first split. Um, a really bad mistake and... I guess looking back, I've learned a lesson from that because I just, I just basically almost gave up because I just, I knew I was like, oh, I'm not going to qualify now. There's no way. And uh, that's a long track to have to keep motivated when you've had that big of a mistake to keep it like focused. And I got to the bottom and then seen the time that I was like under a second off qualifying. And honestly, it really did break my heart. Like I, part of me was kind of, really excited that I was so close yeah but at the same time the feeling I was just so gutted and I had so many people who were really happy for me which I I, I loved because they were like you were so close but like I was but on such a bad run and that's what was so frustrating and yeah did learn a lesson that day to not give up like no matter like what's happened other things could have happened to other people just like (laughs) so do you think if you'd have carried on sort of race mentality from after that mistake you'd have made up that point seven. I'd hope so yeah yeah. yeah yeah where was the mistake then like right at the top like you come out of the the gate um sprint and then there's like a wee hip thing yeah that and I just handed. like yeah it's got blown in the wind out of nowhere it's a problem for William and <laughs> went way up high like almost out the tape and like so slid out and then got back on and then like I was just yeah it was just a bit of a nightmare but <laughs> gutted yeah so close and then on from there to Leah Gangs, like back to back isn't it pretty much I think uh, right? yep straight to Leah Gang yeah. yeah the next weekend and this is where you uh, you had a bit of a let, <laughs> a let down in, uh, in practice yeah <laughs> just uh, went out and um, yeah it's hard it's hard turning up to these tracks that people have raced their whole life and you're trying to learn the lines uh in track walking and practice and people are trying to immediately ride them faster because they already know where they're going and uh I mean and that's just how it is but it's it's very hard to 
focus of like oh god like that is a horrible situation to be in but yeah I unfortunately my lift to practice slipped in uh got there in the end was a bit late which already had me panicked I'm a panicker anyway because I didn't have enough I didn't obviously have my full time of practice which yeah. isn't a lot of time to learn a brand new track that everyone knows um and then yeah I had some mechanicals as well with my mech for my qualifying run and yeah just lots of things uh <laughs> lots of things went wrong are you mechanicking for yourself at this point at that one I was yeah yeah, yeah. how would you rate your mechanic and skills out like, of 10 out of 10 if zero is the worst like below that like, <laughs> like I'm so bad it's a lot of work isn't it I'm better now because I've had to get better okay but at that point there's only so much you can learn I was like trying to I mean like that year it wasn't even just learning like to go to world cups i had never even like learned to pack my bike into a bike bag like so which sounds so ridiculous and pathetic but like i'd never done that yeah. before and um just all these things i was trying to do myself and it's it's hard yeah it was really hard and i and i came back from leo gang and i was really defeated after that and i felt just like i don't think i can do this and the traveling on my own and the that trip that trip back from leo gang was just a bit brutal and uh I mean, I kept going, but it was hard. Yeah. How do you keep yourself going through stuff like that? And you, like, where does that inner strength come from? I don't. I just love it. Like, and the same. I guess you just get straight back into any. At that point, I was working, but and trying to do training as well. And uh, I just. I guess it's a feeling of I in the back of my head. I thought I can do this. I just need to it all to piece it together. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Impressive. It must be pretty hectic as a privateer, though, because you don't, like, I guess when you're a fully supported athlete on, like, a top team, you literally are riding your bike and people are doing everything else for you. I mean, I might. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's levels of, of that across different teams, but do you get any chance to kind of rest? Like, you've got kit to prep, you've got your bike to keep yeah. going and washing if it's wet. Like, yeah, I mean, it must be hard work. Last year I had... Um, Matt, my friend, he was mechanic for me, so that changed a lot for me. Okay. But if we're talking about 2019, yeah, like it's you're you're not focusing really on like thinking about your lines and your race and getting ready for that. You're thinking about getting there. You're thinking about your bike being ready. You're just yeah, like getting get washed. Like amount of times we've been sat in laundrettes until like eleven o'clock <laughs> at night. Um, yeah, it's it's different. It, you shouldn't be. You're not focusing on the stuff that you need to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> And when you're on track, is it like you say you're learning those tracks? You often ride them for the first time. In your case, is it hard to focus on what you need to get done when you've got other people at like breakneck speed, kind of bearing down? Do you worry about like getting in people's way, all that kind of stuff, or how do you deal with that? Um, generally, at, in practice, it's usually fine. Like I okay. think everyone's quite. I've never, I've never seemed to have had an issue with that. Um, like I've caught people and people have caught me, but everyone's quite like everyone's been caught and everyone's caught someone. So I think everyone understands how it feels like. And I think I just try and uh, I just try to stay out of people's way. And uh, no, I've, I can't say that I've ever felt that that's been an issue really. Yeah. Um, it's intimidating though. Like, especially when I first turned up to these World Cups, you're, well, you're racing against all the top riders and you, or like just riding there. It's, yeah, it's very intimidating. <laughs> and do, uh, by the time you got to the first World Cup, I guess you were so into the scene that you kind of knew who everyone was. Mm -hmm. You'd gone because you'd fast forwarded like 
I don't know how much mountain bike history, but you'd kind of caught up <laughs> by then, right? So you, these were your heroes yeah. and your heroines and you knew Yeah, their... yeah. It's, it was cool. It was cool to see them. Yeah. I definitely felt like um, after going from World Cups from just racing like British runs, at those races, you generally know a lot of people and you get to know and it's really friendly and you're like walking like, oh, hi, Anne. But at the, the World Cups, I didn't, I didn't know anyone. Uh, or if I knew them, I didn't like actually know them. Yeah. It was a wee bit lonely at first. Like I especially at Maribor, I just, like, I felt a bit lost. Like, I felt like I didn't have anyone to speak to. And then um, that was hard, like, really lonely. Um, just looking around and not knowing anyone and not feeling like I could speak to anybody. I didn't want to annoy anyone. And obviously no one knows who I am. And so I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't, I'll just stand here. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> but that changed, right? You started to kind of get to know people a bit. Was, it a, was that a, quite a quick change or do you think it took a while to feel comfortable in that environment yeah I think it does take a while and I'd, I would I'm still kind of trying to be comfortable with that <laughs> uh, I, I know more people to speak to now obviously and uh this year I'll, I'll have Matt with me again yeah. uh, that was really nice uh just have someone around and obviously the help as well was insane yeah definitely. Um, made a huge difference <laughs> yeah yeah so 2019 was kind of I guess a challenging season like ups and downs a lot of learning to be done other than adding a mechanic for 2020 mm -hmm. did you make any other changes in like you set up how you're doing things or your training or um for this last off season uh i'm with al milway now for uh, okay. coaching which is i feel like it's made a huge difference yeah. um he's great and um I probably, he probably thinks I'm really annoying. I'm like, well, all the questions <laughs> I ask him. <laughs> uh, but I feel like that's made a huge difference, getting a coach, like a coach. Um, and yeah, I can't really think of anything. I've not really changed much else apart from that, really. Like okay. still on this, I'm still with Green Power um, and still I'm still on Trek. Uh, but yeah, having Matt, I guess it just makes logistics easier because uh, I know he's going to... Um, either to drive we're going to drive out to them it's just things like that like I can actually focus on my training a bit more rather than everything else <laughs> yeah awesome let's talk a bit about that 2020 season then so obviously it was somewhat delayed yeah. as everyone now knows but first race or first world cup was the world champs Lear Gang um, a track that at least you'd been to once mm -hmm. that's a, that's a <laughs> step in the right direction but with a lot of changes and um, you were saying earlier, actually, when we were riding, it's, it was quite logistically challenging, kind of not being a maybe a fully supported rider at that. Tell us a little bit about yeah some of those challenges that you faced, because I don't think a lot of people see that side of things. Yeah, uh, for World Champs, I'd never, I'd never done a World Champs and uh, I was really excited to have been selected to go. Um, even the lead up to it, it was so hard to know if we were actually going to go because of like the rules and then it snowed loads and I was like, oh my gosh, is it going to be cancelled, the testing and, and even when we arrived there, uh, we, yeah, we didn't have like a, like a parking pass to get in. <laughs> so, uh, obviously we didn't have a pit either. So the first while it was me just trying to figure out if me and Matt were actually going to get parked at, in the event because <laughs> we'd have to pit out of the van, which yeah. is um, not in the pit area, but at least if we could park nearby. Luckily, after a lot of faff, we, we got that. Um, but we didn't have like 
a pit space, but the van was just that little bit too far away for me to go back and forth to. How far so, are we talking? Because if people don't, maybe if you've not been to a World Cup, they don't see the scale of these things. Oh, it's hard to know. Like it's, it's like how long to pedal? To pedal, probably like probably it's, probably was only about five minutes. But like when you're in a short practice time, that is too much. Uh-huh. I don't have enough time to be going back and forth. That's yeah, if like you want to make a change yeah, to your like bike five, if you've got a problem. Five minutes that way, five minutes back, yeah. like actually changing stuff. Yeah, it's just not ideal. Um, so Matt stood at the bottom. He's such a legend with all my stuff, just all of practice, like rain or snow. Uh, <laughs> for if I had problems with dry gloves, just food. Um, and he did that for, yeah, practice. And then we had the second practice day too. So, um, yeah, it was great. He's, yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. And what did you think to the track? Cause it, uh, obviously the top section was fairly familiar, but the, the bottom woods was a, a big change, wasn't it? From any Lear games of the past or certainly recent past. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. And um, when we walked it, cause I walked it with Matt, I just, even though it's like stuff I ride, like mud and roots and stuff that I ride, I just, it looked so intimidating when we walked it. it. Everything's worse when you walk it. And I just went home at night, like, I am so scared. Like, I'm really scared to go ride that because it was so slippy just to, to try to walk down. Uh, and obviously there was that huge gap at the end of it as well. You can't get that off your mind. Uh-huh. Um First run down, got to the bottom. I was like, that is so good. I was so excited. And I was just having the best time in practice, like almost forgetting, oh, actually I'm, I'm at practice. I should really just like, just having the best time. Like the, the woods was so good and it, it just kept getting better. Like it was just so sketchy. I mean, it was hard a wee bit in practice because it was just like bodies everywhere all the time. People crashed, but uh, I loved it. And um, it, yeah, it just kind of suited me that bottom bit like the top bit uh was good too but definitely the bottom woods was more of my thing <laughs> do you think that uh that mindset that you were in that enjoyment was that quite unique yeah I think um if you're enjoying yourself probably it's a little bit of confidence isn't it because uh I mean usually before that I don't I just always be doubting myself and anything I do and although I was still nervous and everything like that I was enjoying it and I and I knew I could ride it I just needed to put a good run down um and for the actual race run because I had such a bad qualify and I came off three times which is ridiculous like I got to the bottom and I was like what just happened like that is ridiculous three times <laughs> it doesn't matter at world champs right qualifying is kind of irrelevant yeah exactly it was still annoying though because yeah. I was like how how has it happened <laughs> but put that to the back of my mind and then the practice before the race run that morning, it was just brutal. It was, anyone was there would know, it was just really claggy and uh, my wheels were stopping. And you, uh, the women now get that extra little like 15 minutes practice before, uh-huh. but I decided actually not to do it because the track was just so like crazy that you just have to do a run and you're not going to stay on the lines that you wanted and you just need to do it. And I was like, I know what I need to do. I know kind of where I need to go, but there's no point going up there and like, risking it it's yeah. just gonna it's just gonna be the same so we went back to the accommodation i had a bath <laughs> <laughs> and just like relaxed and i was feeling a wee bit stressed um called my mum and then yeah i went up and i had a that's the only race run i've had a tactic for where i was like because it was snowing and i knew some of the lines at the top that i'd practiced for me were 
sketchy like okay. they were kind of be like will I ride that out and I didn't want that I uh-huh. wanted after qualifying I wanted to at least get to the bottom and be like right that was the best I could have done I stayed on my bike and uh, so I took quite a lot of safe lines at the top which I knew were slower but I wanted to just not I didn't want to come off yeah um and then I knew when I got to the woods just like feet up just commit like and I did and that's what I did I did have one off in the woods but I think everyone did yeah <laughs> maybe like Reese didn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but got back on as quickly as I could and going again and then went to, by the time I got to the bottom there's just no way that I thought that I would be in the hot seat just from kind of taking the easier lines at the top but I did know I'd got the woods good apart from that crash but I was just buzzing like I just couldn't believe that I was in the hot seat when I came down and then sitting there for quite a while and I was like what's <laughs> happening <laughs> you were there for a good chunk of time weren't yeah. you? that must have felt pretty wild it did it, it, it didn't sink in for a long time I was just like what is going on like, yeah what was that was like then on your race run did you just like go just keep loose and kind of yeah just made sure in the woods I just went where my bike went and just go with it because uh, the only way to ride that stuff um stay up as much as you can uh yeah i was i was happy with how i rode it yeah nice did you make any changes to your bike to, to kind of help through those conditions uh, i did yeah like probably a minute or two before i was about to go uh, matt <laughs> took my mud guard off and okay i was like what are you doing <laughs> and he's just like trust me i was like okay and uh i'm glad i did because it was just so claggy um, and yeah. that's why in all the photos at the bottom i'm just like caked in mud like my whole face I couldn't see that's probably <laughs> why I was just I actually couldn't see where I was going like <laughs> <laughs> just let, let let rip yeah yeah <laughs> incredible so fifth place like that must have been quite hard to take in I guess you didn't go there expecting to take fifth place at work no I definitely didn't expect that I had said to Matt that like like the goal was if if I could get in the top 10, I would have just been ecstatic. Like, I would have been really happy with that. Because um, I think it was 13th in qualifying. Uh-huh. And uh, seeing my time kind of stand and then thinking, oh my God, I'm in the top 10. I'm so excited about that. And then it'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to be like ninth. Oh, I'm going to be eighth. And then it just, I was like, what is happening? And then, yeah, to get, to get fifth, I was so happy. But at the same time, we didn't have enough time for it to like sink in because we were going to Slovenia the next day and I had all my kit to wash. We had a lot of stuff to do, a lot of stuff, logistics to sort out. Um, kind of was just like, yeah, that's amazing, but we're on to the next thing now. There wasn't enough time. I had no yeah. time to let it be like, oh my God, I can't believe I got fifth. <laughs> yeah. Was there much reaction like from, pe- from people around you or people in the sport? Like, did that change anything? I Yeah, I, I, I had so many messages that day. It was just crazy. Uh which I really appreciate. I, I had so much support from home, like in Scotland and, and just from other people too. Uh, it was great. But at the same time, I almost didn't even have time to fully appreciate that because I was just thinking about Slovenia and all the stuff I needed to do for that. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of support and uh, lovely messages. And nice. yeah. <laughs> what did that do for your confidence? Yeah, I definitely went into Maribor more confident, kind of thought, I need to believe in myself a bit more because um, that's always going to help when you turn up to a race. If, if you're not confident, then you're already there. You might as well be. Uh, so, yeah, I think learn a bit from that race. Did it change your expectations for Maribor from what you would have gone in with to what you did go in with? Possibly, yeah. I think 
at that point I was like right okay I want I want another good result <laughs> yeah so yeah I think so um I still tried to not put an expectation on myself but I think once you get good result you can't help but that's naturally going to happen yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah talk us through that week a little bit because again it the conditions were pretty mixed weren't they weather-wise yeah yeah they changed a lot and um, that track's really cool although I I know now that it's slippy there so that, that was fine and <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that track Um in the dry it was great and then in the wet like obviously some bits were a bit sketchier Um but yeah generally I was pretty happy with my runs like I think Everyone maybe had mistakes in them, but there was no huge mistakes. Um, so I was pretty happy when I got to the bottom. And I had um, Cathro there, obviously, mm. the privateer thing. He yeah. let us pit with him. And that just changed everything, like having a pit space, having a place to go in between runs and hang out and be close. And it was just so nice, especially for Matt as well, to not have to <laughs> stand in the rain. <laughs> and just to be around them, like, yeah. uh, Ben was great. Like, he would go through my GoPros with me and uh, I could ask him, like, questions. He was on track. That was just so good. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely helpful. Yeah. A man that's spent a lot of time studying line choice yeah, and all totally. that sort of stuff. So <laughs> you couldn't have much better help, I guess, yeah. than, than Cathro. Quality. So, yeah, two ninth places. How did you find the the back-to-back kind of double race thing i liked it um it was definitely hard like the minute you finished your race run to then think right you go for track walk but um i'd be quite it'd be cool if that became a thing because you're traveling far to these places it'd be nice to have two goes like downhill you just get that one run and then and more riding time i'll be happy with uh it's tiring like i i think because we went straight from world champs, I was knackered. I was sore from crashing a lot. And uh, <laughs> I think everyone was. Yeah. Uh, so I did go into that week quite fatigued. But I think if we hadn't had that Worlds before it, the double race would be fine. Okay. Um, I would love that if they did that more often. <laughs> nice. And how did you feel about those results? Did you feel like you'd done yourself justice? Because that's coming off the back of the previous season where you know qualifying was a challenge and now you're taking fifth at worlds two ninth places yeah i was i was happy with it because even like i just was comparing my times to ones above me and like compared to the last year the gaps were just so much smaller that that's what i wanted to see like that's what i was interested to see that i am i can do it um Mm -hmm. and i'm just not as far off as i was before and as long as i keep seeing that i'll be happy (laughs) what do you do you think could you attribute that improvement to any specific things you've done or is it just time practice knowing the tracks a bit better? I think, um, it was, no, it was definitely just riding my bike more. Like I had a bit more support through 2020, although we were in lockdown, I had support, uh, a bit more support from sponsors so I could, uh, actually train, uh, which I never really, I never had that going into 2019. I was, I was said before I was working full time. Yeah. And I was riding my bike as much as I could, but that was probably like once a week, maybe twice a wow. week. Yeah. Um, and I would try and go into the gym and stuff, but gym is great and it, it, it does a lot, but riding your bike is what you need to do. And yeah. uh, that's what I think changed for me all like the lockdown here. Uh, I was do, just doing what I could near nearby, uh, what we went and rode. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, just riding my bike as much as I could. And that for me, I think that's what changed um just the the bike time uh 
training more. <laughs> Seemed to work. Yeah. So you come out of Maribor, I'm guessing feeling pretty good, off to Lusa, which looked like an awesome track. Oh, so cool. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> the expectations again, like, must be starting to creep up, the confidence is building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I was excited for it, and uh, I had been there before. Uh, I went there to do a Portugal Cup once. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Which was really cool. Um, although it was, a, like, a slightly different track, obviously. It's... um generally quite you know the terrain and yeah, what it's going to be yeah. like and the, the town there is really nice too um but yeah I was really excited going into that and in practice I really enjoyed it there was a couple things that were maybe like on my mind it was this the lines kept changing there and like insides kept appearing and like I think at that point now I would accept it way more but I was quite bad last year for like change scared me like I okay. didn't like the idea of change even change things on my bike like I just wanted to be in control almost. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that feeling of not being in control of things. <laughs> so that I was a wee bit like, oh, the lines keep changing and I don't know where I'm going. And, <laughs> but um, I mean, obviously it didn't end well for me, but I did feel good going into my run, but that's how it went. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about that race when it didn't unfortunately last that long, did it? Not very long at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was a horrible thing to watch, but yeah, tell just talk us through that from your perspective. Yeah, it, I honestly, it just went so wrong so quickly. Like the in the live feed, I you can see I overshoot the double before it, and um, I had been taking the inside all all weekend, which uh-huh. I'd, it was just a part of the track I had no problem with. It's a bit you wouldn't think about, and because I overshot that jump, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to hit that berm that I don't I don't ride, and I remember track walk night before someone had said to me look definitely take the inside don't hit the berm it spits you out funny but I was like oh it's fine I've not done the berm I'm doing the inside that's fine uh, it's probably because I said that and then <laughs> go into the berm I was like that's fine hit it and I just got like so out of shape like from it that I went into the jump so like in the wrong body position yeah and I just because I hadn't I didn't almost like compress into it and I just yeah immediately just bucked me and uh then my front wheel hit like the landing of the the jump and it just flips me over so hard and uh, I couldn't actually see for like a, bit, a little bit like that's where wow. in the live feed where I'm kind of on the ground like I, I couldn't open my eyes like the pain was just <laughs> so bad and my eyes were just black like I couldn't see and I was like I, I need to get off the track but I can't move Jeez. and I was trying to move my arms and my legs like I think I'm okay like I, my arms and my legs are fine like my back's fine but my eyes don't work but my <laughs> I can't see <laughs> <laughs> But managed to get myself up, or like cross the tape, and then just lay down again. Yeah. Um, no, it didn't seem like anyone got there quick. No, they they didn't. <laughs> got myself off. I I mean, I was lying there for a, a good while for someone to not come over, and then still got myself off the track to lie down at the other side. And then a marshal had come, but they didn't know what to do. Like, right. um, <laughs> and I just knew, like, if I lie here, Matt's gonna see I didn't make the first split. He's gonna come down, and he did. Yeah. And uh, he took me down and uh, we ended up going into hospital that night. Obviously, and I got a scan. Yeah. Um, what, kind, what kind of state were you in, what, I guess, walking down the hill? Like, how did you feel? I don't really remember most of it, I'll not okay. lie. I remember being in the van, um, but everything else I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, Was there any support from the race organisation at that point to, like, try and help you? So I don't remember it clearly, but apparently they kept they offered to 
like to help but then I think I had been like oh I'm fine but obviously I'd hit my head like anyone knows someone who's hit their head especially if they say they're fine they're not like it should just be protocol to you have to help them like they need to get help and I was just left to to walk away and no no one asked anything even when I didn't turn up to race next day I had I had nothing like no like oh are you is she okay like which I just think is really bad yeah that's not great no (laughs) but yeah luckily I took myself to with Matt to the uh, hospital and got a scan and then we just went home the next day what Um, did the scan did the scan tell you anything like no they said it was fine they said I was fine but um clearly you weren't no (laughs) just a really bad concussion yeah uh, and uh, luckily no other injuries but um the concussion was awful though it's like way worse than I thought it would have been because even that when it first happened I remember like oh hopefully I can race tomorrow but I mean the next morning I woke up like I could barely walk yeah like I we and we obviously drove back and I had sunglasses on and I basically just was out the whole time like uh then when I got home I kind of started to be on the mend I mean I was not doing anything but I had been on my phone a wee bit which I was told not to be and I watched a bit of TV, but I was just starting to feel a bit better. And I just thought like, oh, it'll be like a week or so. And then I'll be able to kind of get back into yeah. a little bit of stuff. And it wasn't like that at all. Like, because I'd been on my phone probably and watching a bit of TV, going out on a little walk. I went from like improving a little bit when I got back to being like the, so bad. It got awful. And then I had two weeks of no phones, no screens inside. Couldn't look, I couldn't look outside Whoa. on the sofa. Miles, actually, my partner, he took two weeks off to be with me just I was just so down because oh, it just went from like it was such a high to a low it was really hard to take and to be like away racing world cups to be on your sofa in Fort William yeah. unable to speak to anybody it was really hard <laughs> were you ever worried that it wouldn't kind of get back to normal like what were you getting any support or um I mean in terms of support for the concussion no like I don't we don't have anyone locally here and it would take forever I think to go through NHS to get that yeah. so no I was on my own and yeah I was scared I didn't know like am I doing the right thing am I going to recover like am I going to have lasting injury from this yeah I had really bad uh, neck pain and that unfortunately my concussions like cleared up but that neck pain lasted until I mean I'm still getting physio for it now wow <laughs> yeah um I left it for a while because I wasn't sure because I knew I had whiplash and everything. And yeah, it was about, I guess, April where I contacted a local physio again, my friend, uh, and she's been helping me out and it's improved so much since then. But I was like to her, yeah, my neck, I I couldn't sit up most nights in the evening to watch TV. It was so bad. Like, I don't have that now, but that was, what, like five months after that injury, which is really scary. (laughs) Yeah, that's horrific. So how long before you could kind of, get out and about maybe you know get on a bike again um I would say probably about just under a month or yeah um went for a spin up the canal with miles and I was just so happy to be outside and spinning my legs and because I mean anyone who knows me well will know I don't enjoy sitting down I don't enjoy not doing stuff I just like being busy and I love being on my bike um or any kind of exercise so that was also hard to like um but even after all that, I do feel like I almost learned a lot that like a little bit of time off is okay. Yeah, um, I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's enforced rest, which is probably a good yeah. thing at the end of a rough season and, and a big year of training and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's not what I wanted, but um, yeah. 
yeah, just slowly got back into riding. Um, it took a huge hit to my confidence, though. It took me a while to to trust it again. Like, yeah. I didn't want to come off and definitely had a few of those rides where you just have a bit of a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> um, but slowly but surely got back into it. <laughs> yeah, did you... Like, have you had some crashes since then now? Yeah. Are you kind of back up to yeah. where you feel like you left off? Yeah, definitely. Or even, even further on sort of thing? Yeah, like, my riding from then's improved... Uh, but I, I'd be lying if I said like I'm not scared <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know if that ever leaves though I'm sure maybe if you speak to other people like maybe the fear is always there because you you have had that like I guess when I first got into riding you're you're naive to it you've not had these bad injuries you don't know yeah. the consequence of crashing and now I do <laughs> yeah is that your first big injury no I had in 2019 at Leger I fractured my humerus and tore my rotator cuff and that ended my season. So I've still uh-huh. not done like a full World Cup uh, season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm fully aware of the consequence now. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, or has it changed your approach to riding? And do you think it's in a way been beneficial or? Um, not sure, but yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know if it would be beneficial, but it's definitely changed my riding in the way that I would say I'm a bit less reckless. Like uh-huh. I think before I would generally just go for anything and but maybe not had the skill to back it up okay <laughs> but uh, now I would say I would say I'm a bit more calculated yeah I mean you have to go for stuff sometimes and I do and at a race but um I will try and be as calculated as I can do you think that'll play into you being a more consistent rider I'd hope so yeah like I'd hope that that kind of approach would help with racing because you do want consistency. You want to make it to the end of your run. Yeah, it definitely helps, doesn't it? If you're trying to get a good result, getting to the bottom is it's a good thing. It's always good, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, I mean, a rough end to the season, but a really good short season. Like yeah. Two ninth places, awesome. Fifth at Wells, incredible. Guessing you're pretty happy with that. A lot of teams talk about wanting a top woman that there's not many available, blah, blah, blah. Did they all come knocking? Like how many phone calls did you have? Uh, not many factory teams. No, no, <laughs> no, no offers. <laughs> I think it's so different to what people must assume. Like, nah, uh, I did have a few offers, okay. which was really nice. Like it was, it was really strange to be in the position of people asking and it, it felt, it did feel, it felt really nice. Um, it, it wasn't factory teams, but really, really cool offers. Um, I did decide in the end that uh, even after like last season, I still haven't done a full season. Um, I really enjoyed uh, being away with Matt, the guy the mechanic for me. Like it was, there was no pressure. He helped me with what I needed help with. Um, right now, for me to get the results I need, I just need to do it myself. Almost like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I need, I just need to be the one to put a good run down. Um, so I think that kind of atmosphere of the no pressure, I just kind of wanted. Um, okay. uh, not to say that not having the help on a team would be nice. Like <laughs> it's, I'm sure you're fully aware, like the privateer life can be very hard. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of logistics every day that make it hard. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd hope that I can get some good results and maybe... Yeah, change something up next season. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a good approach. If a if a big factory team had come knocking, would you have been tempted? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a dream team? Like you, when you spend some time around the pitch, you get a feel for the vibe and the setup and stuff. Is there like a dream team that you'd love to join? Or um, 
I mean, anyone I've been around, oh, they all seem great. Yeah, I can't think of like one in particular that seems to be like the best. I uh-huh. think they all seem really great. Um, just yeah, whatever one. Hopefully that'd fit in with most. Yeah. Uh, so that's the objective in like whenever it feels right to you is to yeah hopefully get to the point where the results are a strong and consistent. Yeah, when you yeah. get to that. Well, yeah, if I get the offer, yeah, yeah. obviously wasn't offered any yeah. any this season. Um, I would definitely <laughs> take it up. Yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would make life a bit easier, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the plans for twenty twenty one then? So yeah, World Cups again. Um, so excited for that. Hopefully everything goes to plan. Uh, like to, I'm gonna do Innsbruck uh, crankworks race. Nice. I've never done a crankworks. Just downhill. Are you gonna pick some of the other bits as well? Right now it'll just be the downhill because I won't have another bike with me. Okay. Uh, just with trying to travel out and stuff. Like, yeah. I don't have that option. That would be cool. I would love to do the pump track. So if anyone's got one, I can borrow out there. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> well, their pump track bikes are all pretty small, so you should be able to hop on anyways. Yeah. 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 True. Someone can make this happen. Get in touch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll do, yeah, the, the downhill there. And then right now just World Cups. And then if I'm home, I'd love to do like any of the SDAs and British rounds that I can support and go to. Yeah. So other than adding Alan Millway into the programme, is there mu- are there any other changes? Same level of support? like? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. The, having Green Power support again is just incredible. Um they're also just lovely people, like they're my friends as well, nice. which I really love that atmosphere um, of it being almost informal. Like you're, I can just, I feel like I can chat to them and like tell them any of my worries or like, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're great. Um, but yeah, they'll support me again this year with like getting to the World Cup. So like helping me like with my like travel expenses. Yeah, cool. What do you think it's going to take for you to become like a regular podium rider? Uh, I think it's the su- the support from the sponsors so I can train full time. Like uh-huh. I'm still with Nervous Range as well, who I hadn't mentioned. Uh, they're supporting me this season again. And without their support, oh, it's like I wouldn't be able to, to not have another, to have a job. Yeah. Um, and it just makes such a difference. But yeah, I think being on the podium, you need to be, you need to be training at the same level as the people on the podium. Yeah, like, yeah. There's just such a difference if you're not. And if you've not got that bike time, and gym time and then as well rest time like there was a stage where I was kind of trying trying to train full time but working and I was just ruining myself like I was treating work as a rest okay sorry work if you hear that (laughs) 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 Uh, and that is just never a good way to go about it Uh, well for me anyway it wasn't uh, for anyone I think yeah you just burn yourself out Yeah. yeah you need that rest and that's something that I really had to learn to do. Like, I'm not good at resting. I know that. And people have told me, they're like, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that what makes the difference, yeah. <laughs> yeah, excellent. And I guess there's only, like, an off-season, apart from last year, they're quite short. So you can only kind of gain a certain amount of strength and fitness every yeah. off-season. Yeah. So it's like you're playing catch-up against these riders that have been through the junior ranks, through the elite ranks for however many years. You've been racing what four or five seasons yeah, now, yeah. so and training full time. This is only the second off season where you've not worked, or uh, so the this last off season was like my first season where I've had okay. full support to like right. train off, uh, like full time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah, playing catch playing catch up is hard, uh, especially even with like the gym stuff. Like I obviously before I got into racing, I'd or like 
racing World Cups, I would go to the gym, but it was very like I'd just waltz in and not really have a clue what I was doing and just do something and leave. But that takes a while to build up as well. Like you don't yeah. just go in and like grow a big bicep. <laughs> <laughs> you need to work at it, unfortunately. <laughs> Alan's quite focused on upper body strength with female riders, I think. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Oh, that has made such a difference for me. Like I felt so strong on my bike recently because I've basically just been on the bench all winter. <laughs> I love that as well. I really, really enjoy the bench press because I used to hate it because I was so bad at it. I mean, I'm not good at it now. I'm just not awful <laughs> and I think I really enjoy like seeing progression in something that I'm not good at and like that got me really excited to watch myself get better at that and yeah. then actually feel it on the bike like being up on the never change track or even just like local riding and you go into a big compression and you actually feel like oh I'm actually not going to collapse <laughs> yeah 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 I think it definitely you crash less when you've got stronger shoulders I think yeah. you can get away with yeah. some of those big impacts that yeah. would have sent you out the front door yeah yeah and it's nice as well with Alan to, it's just nice to have a plan given to you and you don't have to, it's like less thought for me. Like I trust the process, I trust him yeah. and I know what he's going to give me is good. So I just have my plan every week and I, and I, I like that. I really like just like the planning and the organisation and uh, just just put my head down and get it done. <laughs> he's, he's taken a few riders to the top, hasn't he? So. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've, for a while I've always wanted to... Uh, to be involved just because he's obviously one of the top like uh coaches so yeah. yeah nice you talk a little bit about playing catch-up and um while we were out riding we were talking about something that maybe doesn't help with that the top five women get to go out in a practice yeah um so the the more experienced maybe fitter stronger riders are getting extra practice as well yeah and just talk a little bit about like your how that's made you feel when you've been at some of these events yeah um it it makes you feel a bit defeated actually like the top 15 getting extra practice although I was in that last year and it's amazing to get that extra practice I've not been in it and it's awful and you're you're already if you're not in the top 15 most likely less experienced not raced as much or you don't know the track as well or obviously you're just not fast enough um it's hard to take to then watch everyone who's like better getting extra practice over you and you just hard to be like is what is the point like <laughs> like in what other sport do do people get more practice it just it actually makes no sense to me and um, and obviously there's so much politics with it all but I I just do not agree with it and like even if even if I get to get it again uh I still don't agree with it it's not fair and uh, yeah, it's something I'd like to see not happen. And if you are going to get extra practice, it should be everyone. Yeah, should get it. Yeah. Um, especially because not only you're getting more practice, the track could have changed by then, and you're getting to to ride it when it has. And uh, it's yeah, it's just not not a good situation. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you feel like there's any drive to change that, like within the organisation, sort of thing? Is there any? you're hearing any any positive stuff around that or I know people want it to change I've heard a couple um like spoken to a couple girls but I've not actually obviously seen anything change um and whether or not things are happening I just don't know about them but yeah I don't know if things are changing or not um I don't feel like obviously I'd have the platform to say something about it uh I think it would need to come from the top yeah and even though the the ones at the top 
are the ones in the favourable position of having it, that's who needs to say, like, I have this, but I just don't think it's right. Yeah. It's pretty hard, I guess, if you're in their shoes to, like, make a stand and say, well, I'm not going to take this extra practice. Oh, I don't exactly, because then they're going to be at, like, I yeah. totally get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, you just feel like you probably, it's a lose-lose situation, isn't yeah, it? Like, it is. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's set up so it can never <laughs> change yeah, in a way. Yeah, It needs to come from the organisation. But it would be nice to see the less experienced riders get the extra practice and yeah. help, like, raise the quality of the field in general well yeah especially because we've only got 15 women getting to race on a sunday and like there's a lot more girls racing now it'd be so nice to see more allowed to qualify it is very discouraging like i know people who have stopped racing world cups because they're paying to travel out to these countries to do friday practice qualify try qualify not qualify and then not ride the bike and like that's a long way to go plus if you're not got support money wise like yeah it's expensive yeah like you can see why they've given up and um obviously if you don't have i've i've not given up on it but if some other people have and it's like it's upsetting to see because we want more women racing and it's just a it's not a very encouraging environment I have to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can see how that would make it an unattractive proposition to yeah. try and break into World Cup down. Oh, totally. You'd feel. You'd feel like, what's the point? Like, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I don't want to travel out and not ride my bike on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Without the support that you've had, do you think you'd have still been at it? Like, if you were self-funding. No, I don't. Like, I would not have been able to afford it. No way. Yeah. yeah. Um. Without green power support, no, there's no way I would have been able to fund to go to, go to these races. Like Fort William for me would have been achievable, obviously. Yeah. But um, and then yeah, maybe you can, you can ride there in like ten minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'd want to ride my dial bike up, but <laughs> that'd be some warm up. That would be a bit of a warm up. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, without their support, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be at the races. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about the bike side of things because you're quite a, a short rider, five yeah. two, yeah, and quite a light rider. Yeah. Do you find it hard to get suspension set up at the, at the lighter end? Because a lot of the suspension, I don't know, it doesn't seem to work so well for lighter riders. Has that been a challenge? Yeah, like right now I'm feeling like my bikes feel good. But yeah, it's it's hard to know, isn't it, when you don't have a clue really about suspension. I've gotten a lot better recently. I did some days with uh, dial telemetry okay. uh, with Dave. And that was great. And then also local to me, well, it was like an hour and a half away, uh, Jules and Taj from Fox. Uh, yeah, they helped okay. me out so much. Um, having them around is just insane. And to just send an annoying message to. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've helped me out like a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I fully under, understand it yet. But I think, yeah, I think it's harder when you are on the lighter side because they're obviously not, I don't think they're designed really to run like at that yeah, the design for yeah. average yeah. weight, and yeah. I guess, which is, yeah, you're well below, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, are they like, do you have them custom tuned through Taj and Jules or are you running like a stock unit and... Oh, they're not custom, there? no. And okay. um, just like the normal shock, like as it would come, but yeah. just to the settings I can put it at. Um, yeah. That would be cool though, to do the custom tune. <laughs> yeah, so you've not had the chance to do like a Fox team camp or anything like that. you don't get that level of support no, i wouldn't be on that level of support yeah. fox are great they um send me my suspension but um i'd not be on like a team camp kind of yeah thing. okay fair oh, that's the postman <laughs> <laughs> that is a as a forceful postman i know hopefully there was nothing <laughs> fragile in that package <laughs> quality 
And then with your bikes are all mullet, is that right? Yep. Yeah. And has that always been the case or have you tried the full 29-29? Yeah. So when I first got my session, uh, my 2020 bike, race bike, which I'm still on now. Yeah. Um, that was a 29er, the session. Uh, and I started on that and I thought it was really good like because it, uh-huh. it wasn't bad. Um, but I was riding that and then I went away to it was in France or in Italy just to ride. And uh, Miles was like, oh, I think you should try mullet. Cause he had mentioned it before, but I've said previously, I'm not good at changing things. Like I am very like a bit of a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> I've got better though. And I was like, right, okay, we'll try it. Um, just cause I thought my bike felt really good. Yeah. Cause it, it did feel fast. And then the minute I did my first run on the mullet, like I was like, that was so sick. <laughs> like just like the corners, I just was going so much faster and I felt my body position was way better. Um, Cause even when I'd watched videos of myself riding on the full 29, I could see I looked slightly awkward. Like in, in a, like I looked a bit stood up in places okay. but just because of my height, not because yeah. of the 29. Uh, and um, yeah, I've not gone back since then. Still got that bike mullet. And then I got my slash in like March or February this year. And since I've got that, I made that a mullet straight away. And then same with the real e-bike. And I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were chatting about yeah. that on the run. That's, that's really changed your training, right? It's been a good addition. Oh, yeah. So much. Just because, I mean, throughout the winter, I do love doing big days on my bike. But it would be nice because I don't have the uplift and I don't have access to ride my downhill bike. It would be nice to go out on a day where it's just like smashing laps. And I never had that. But since getting the e-bike in March, it's, oh, I love it. You just get so many more runs in and you don't have to get so fatigued as well for the next day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still ride my trail bike, but yeah, it's just such a good training tool. Yeah, and the, your uh, easy way back up the hill is <laughs> not, it's not that easy. It's not not the best, is it? It's not the best. <laughs> got a few steep sections, isn't it? <laughs> you get used to it because it's all you've got, but it makes going everywhere else really nice. People are like, oh, the climb's awful. I'm like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> Come to four million. <laughs> so you you've been I guess pretty unlucky in a way in that you've got a chairlift here but for the winter you can't really ride because it's yeah. covered in snow it's a ski field and with lockdown and everything you can't go anywhere yeah how have you kind of handled that so I found this winter really hard I'll not lie um like mentally as well just to try and not overthink things of like things I'm not able to do and like I entered the off season off the back of that injury, the concussion, which wasn't ideal to knock my confidence loads. And then we had like a winter of just like ice and snow, like in December and everything. And then we went into lockdown and I was freaking out about like the gym and stuff. And then, yeah, it was just hard to, to know that after taking that time off of my injury to that I wasn't going to get back on my race bike for a long time, really. Cause I yeah. kind of knew that it wasn't going to be a three week lockdown. <laughs> and, um, so I was just riding my remedy at that point. I didn't have my slash. And, um, I, it was just hard to not be able to do the riding I wanted to do. And as well, like I, I was conscious that I hadn't ridden my downhill bike yet after my crash and I was nervous about it. And then it was like, five months till I was able to ride it and like that time off anyway is going to scare anyone and it was hard to get back on and even throughout the winter like social media is great but it it doesn't help when 
you compare yourself almost like you see everyone else riding their downhill bikes and smashing laps and you're like climbing up that hill we went up <laughs> like yeah. going down like the one minute tracks as, as good as they are like you can't help but feel like I'm I'm just not get I'm not going to be able to do this it's not the same training oh my god like uh, so I had a lot of that but now that I've been on back of my downhill bike I just rode my trail bike so much and like just in those conditions and I, I honestly didn't feel like much different when I got back on my downhill bike and I just feel better and like it wasn't ideal, but it wasn't the worst situation either. And now okay. I've got time to ride my downhill bike and uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's the training been going? You've been traveling to Wales a bit. Yeah. Doing some stuff there. Yeah. Since the bike park's open, I knew like the minute they open, I'm going to Wales. Yeah. Um, I love Dovey Bike Park. That is so cool. So we went there start of May uh-huh. with Matt, the mechanic. And um, then we just went last weekend as well. So I've actually been to Wales twice this month, which is insane. Because um, it's what did you say eight hours? Yeah, from here? yeah, <laughs> quite a trek. Brutal, so worth it though. Like, yeah. and and I've obviously had the track in Fort William as well. Yeah, but I, I didn't want to just ride that as much as I love it. I need to ride other stuff too. It's quite unique, Fort William. Yeah, right? it's yeah. quite different to any of the World Cup tracks. Oh, it is, and it's so rough, and it's like such a good place to train. Yeah, but you do need the other stuff too. So I I I knew the minute I was able to travel, I was going to do as much as I could, and I even got to Inners as well. Um, and then trying to ride my trail bike in other places as well I just want to keep moving (laughs) like nice you've been to revs as well yeah yeah yeah. oh I loved it there the the mud there is so slippy like slippiest mud I think I've ever ridden (laughs) (laughs) is that where you did your setup with dialed yeah okay what did you learn from that did you make much significant change to the bike nothing like crazy just like tweaking it um a lot and then it was really nice to just get that kind of base setting and even if like for now I might change it slightly depending on tracks and stuff. It's nice to, I, I do like, I've got it all written down and like I, any changes I like I would write down. It's just nice to have something to go back to if you need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth uh, like going with like a telemetry, like dial tele- yeah. telemetry. And uh, I'd love to do, meet him to do, do my slash because I've never set that bike up properly. Like I've always just done it myself. Yeah. Um, and it would be really cool to actually set it up properly since that's actually the bike. I ride all winter basically to train on. Yeah. Um, so that would be cool. <laughs> and do you think it helped you know what the different settings do and what it feels like so that when you're at a race and you want to change something, mm-hmm. you might be, I guess, more knowledgeable about what to change and by how much? Oh, definitely. Like I, before doing that, I really didn't know much, but I have really tried hard to learn it and it makes such a difference because it's, if you're it's so hard to sometimes explain how you feel but if you learn actually how it all works it's probably easier for me to then say to Matt at the bottom it's doing this it's doing that and that's what we're doing Wales and yeah it makes me feel like I also like to know like I think Dave I think he was like you ask so many questions but like <laughs> I just really like to know like I want to know what my bike's doing I want to understand and I want to know why we're changing it yeah so that I can be capable because I have been at these races on my own and I want to have although I have Matt now I still want to have the knowledge for yeah. just knowing myself so I can do it myself too definitely yeah. super important yeah yeah so we're what like four weeks off of the first world cup yeah, I think so. It's feeling, close. Feeling excited? <laughs> I am, yeah. I, I've done everything that I could do through this winter that I would access to. I've not left anything. So, I've, yeah, I've done my best. <laughs> yeah. And what, like, do you go in with high expectations coming off the back of 2020? Do you just go in with a process that you're going to follow and see what happens? Like, how do you feel about it? 
just gonna go and see what happens just gonna do what I can do and do best and not I've not got any expectation on myself um like from anything else that I've done I'm just gonna go and see what happens and try my best and I just want to be happy with my my runs <laughs> nice one I look forward to seeing it we're uh, we're getting close to the end of our time but we'll wrap up with our final four questions first one of those if our listeners had 150 pounds to spend to improve their performance on a bike what would you recommend they go spend it on Ooh, um do you know i think i think it'd be like buy a decent set of flat pedals okay and uh, yeah and ride flat pedals yeah and if you've got enough budget left, maybe get a pair of shoes too, but it's hard to know now. <laughs> you learnt on flats, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So Clips is a fairly new thing for you. Yeah, I uh, kind of went to Clips in the middle of starting World Cups because okay. I went to Maribor and I was on flats still. Yeah. And I was the only girl at the top on flats. And although that's fine, like I, I, but back then I was like, oh my God, why am I the only one on flats? Well, why not? It's only the first time you've ever been to World Cup. <laughs> The first elite race you've done. Why not change to clips? I mean, that is the kind of thing I would do. I love to do that. Like, <laughs> So you hate change, but you kind of throw clips on your bike. I love it. So yeah, I, I then immediately was like, I'm going to ride clips. I just the, the kind of thing I would do. And then put clips on for Leo Gang. And that, I mean, that track's kind of all right because there's not much like mud and stuff. But um, throughout the season, there was definitely moments where I should have stuck to my flats because I wasn't as confident. And yeah. Uh, then I spent that next off season going into 2020, like committed to learning clips because throughout that season of first World Cups, I was on and off like swapping. Uh And that is not what you want to do. You either need to commit to one of them if you can't do one of them. Uh, So I would not recommend doing that. Um, But then, yeah, all winter, just kept the clips on, got used to them. But now I ride flats and clips like every week. So I've got flats on my e-bike and I I love riding flats. Yeah. So do you... (laughs) Do you feel there's advantages to riding clips then? Is that why you're picking that for a race? Yeah, like, um, I definitely feel for racing there is, like, there's a little bit of room for, uh, if you just get a bit sketchy or, like, it's rough or, um, especially Fort William, like, you come into those rock gardens, like, not got the most weight behind me anyway to, like, get, don't want to get blown off the pedals. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think for stuff, the tracks like that, the majority of World Cup tracks, I think, would be better. And even at Leo Gang last year in the woods, I still had my clips on, okay. which I was actually really happy to commit in. But I think it's because I, I ride that stuff at home in clips. So I just got used to just unclipping, unclipping, like, yeah. back and forth. And, like, the Crank Brothers are so good because they, they, I feel like they feel like flats. Like, they're not, they're not like, really harsh. Mm. Um, and they're so easy to get in and out of. I have mine... Uh, like the easiest you can to get yeah. them in and out. You've got the, the easy release cleats as well. I do, yeah. yeah. And I run a spacer underneath the cleat so it's like really far out of the like cleat box bit yeah. and then uh, wind the pins in. Okay. But that just works for me, but uh, yeah. I don't like to feel like I'm stuck. But they don't come out unless I want them to. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say a good set of flats. Nice. What, so I'm guessing you're going to say Crank Brothers. What, yeah, the what, Which ones. one of their flats do you use? I've got the, I've actually got the large ones, which okay. is funny for a small person, but I just yeah, like Yeah, because the, there's a shoe size cut off, isn't there, that they recommend for the large yeah. ones. It's like eight or nine or something, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, that might not be good advice. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> advice, it was just what you think you should buy. I just like the, I've got the small ones too, they're great, but I just yeah. prefer the bigger ones and they just yeah. feel really stable. <laughs> nice, good stuff. Second question, if you could wind back the clock, um, to sit down with your 16 year old self what advice would you give her 
to start riding a mountain bike. Get on a mountain bike. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be the only thing, isn't it? You live in Fort William, get on a mountain bike. I mean, yeah, it was, what, 18 till I got one, so, yeah. Mad. Can't, I can't even imagine how you could live here with all that around you. And, it's weird to think. Yeah. I, I, I even think that now that I live here, because my whole life is around bikes now. Like, it's really the only thing I do. Not very exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just don't know what I did or, like, or how I didn't get into it, because I've got friends still now who I skied with and they went mountain biking obviously in the summer yeah um but I just it it, it, it almost like I didn't feel like that would even be something I could do it's really nice now seeing uh there's quite a lot of young girls in Fort William right now coming up and they're good um and I just really like to see that because yeah I think it's even if it was an option to me at that age, I probably would have been a bit like, oh, I can't do that. Do you think that's because there was no like obvious role model for you, like a female role model locally? Probably, or Yeah, probably not seeing them. Yeah, uh, yeah there was none and uh, no access to it really. Like the bike club now is great. It's bringing up so many kids. And uh, even a couple of years ago, I was uh, taking the Lacabra High School Wednesday bike club, mm-hmm. um, which was really nice. And we had... At one point we had two girls, which I was really happy with. Um, actually, when I turned up to that, to be the coach, there was like a group of like four like young boys waiting. And uh, I kind of saw they were, in, obviously they must be for the bike club. And I yeah. went over and I was like, oh, hi. And they kind of just like looked around like, and then like kind of looked away. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm like, the coach for the bike club. And they were just like, oh my God, <laughs> it's a girl. What? what like? Is that because they were like at that awkward age where they don't know how to speak to women? Or probably, was it just but cause also because they-, they probably were just so confused that <laughs> the coach was a girl. Like, yeah, I think that was probably more it, but also probably because they're like awkward teenagers. But that just made me laugh. But I was like, yeah, no. And then uh, I really enjoyed doing that and I loved seeing the high school support that. I'm not sure if it's still happening right now, but I hope it is. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, how does it feel? Like, do you do you feel a pressure to be a good ambassador for the sport and for the female side of things like to think that people locally and even further afield will be watching you and looking up to you and wanting to do stuff because you've done it like how does that feel do you do you ever think about that oh i don't know i don't know if people think like that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean it would be nice to think that i could help people believe that they could do it but yeah i'm not sure if uh, if that's if people think like that i don't know <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they do like you must be like anyone that rides locally must know what you're doing and what you're up to and that you're doing well yeah i guess like people who have gone to school with it's like i've changed a lot since obviously i left school like it's yeah. what i've done is a bit like a wee bit out of the ordinary from like what i was doing before which is yeah. nothing uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um i'd like to think that even not even people locally, it could help to show other, not just women, just anyone that it isn't too late to get into it. Like not, not even necessarily meaning racing, just, just like sport. Like Mm. you can get into it like later in life. You don't have to have been brought up, but as well, like anyone who's younger, who's not been brought up racing, uh, you, you don't have to start from when you can walk. Like you can do it. I mean, I've put a lot of effort in, I'll not lie. Like you have to, I've put so much effort in. It wasn't like a, a natural talent thing. Like I just have <laughs> worked so hard, but like you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. It's not just one path, is there? You've not only have you come in late and you haven't come through that junior racing route and all that side of things, but even like your setup is quite 
unique. Like you've got out of industry support from Nevis Range, Green yeah. Power, etc. Yeah. Like you've got your own kind of little program, and yeah, yeah you don't have to follow necessarily. You can, you can find a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you want to do it, you yeah, can make you it happen. Just got to take opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Put yourself out there. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Th- third question. If you could have a coaching session with anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn? Ooh. Um, I mean, I guess I'd have to say Alan in person. Like I haven't actually uh, had a coaching session like okay. with, with Alan. Yeah. So that would be quite cool to go down and actually get one in person. Yeah. That should be allowed now. So. But, yeah. But I think uh, riding wise, it has to be Rachel Atherton. Okay. I mean, that would be sick to go yeah. out, do it for a ride. Is uh, there a, like a specific element of her riding or the way she operates that you'd want to like dig into? Just probably everything. Just, uh, yeah, just like, yeah, obviously she's just an amazing rider and racer and the, her career is just insane and resilience as well from the amount of injuries yeah, she's had. She and, has been beaten yeah. up. Yeah like big in a big way oh for sure and she just yeah she knows what she's doing definitely (laughs) and just be interesting in person to have a chat about it yeah Uh, yeah you you must have met her through racing and at yeah yeah. so so friendly yeah Yeah. i've had a couple messages with her occasionally too and she's actually oh so friendly and it offered if i need advice and stuff and i really really appreciate that that's cool um coming from someone like her like to take time like that, uh, yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, well, and they've got the bike part now as well, so they've got somewhere for a coaching session for you. Job yeah, done. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think she's a little bit pregnant for going f- yeah. full tilt at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure she'll still go very fast. Yeah, she's she's. I've been keeping up with her Instagram. She's still like riding and <laughs> yeah, getting out. Yeah. It's amazing because the bumps getting pretty big. Yeah, so. yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, fair play, good honour. Cool. Final question: What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Hmm. Um, that's a hard question. Uh, kind of a creature of habit. Uh, I guess I'm consistent. <laughs> like, it's maybe a weird one to say, but um, I just kind of get on with my training and uh, I always get it done. Okay. Uh, I mean, life obviously throws things at you every week that you don't expect. And uh, but I just find a way to always try and at least get some of it done and yeah maybe consistency maybe that's what's helped with the progression it's it's not always like this month you'll do a bit and the next month I will try and like I do try and always just keep keep plodding along and yeah so like a constant a constant level of work rather than like crazy and then overdoing it and yeah crashing back down yeah sort of exactly thing. maybe as well just having like huge expectations for myself like not <laughs> I just always want to be better yeah um, and I don't know if that ever goes because you'll just always keep wanting to be better yeah for sure <laughs> Wait, are you monitoring like anything to help inform Alan's programming like do you use heart rate variability or anything like that to look at your stress levels and how your um, body's coping with the training I mean not not quite like that maybe not that in depth but um we keep we have like a dropbox folder so um and i I keep in touch with him through whatsapp as well uh but if we're doing stuff i'll send him like what bikes i'll send him like the results and um he'll see like weights in the gym and stuff but generally probably just going off feeling um so I guess in that sense, I'm, I'm winging it a wee bit, but I feel good. So Yeah. And you still like, you're, you're having rest days and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So there's, yeah. there is time to, 
to chill. Recover and like you say, now you're not working, you can actually rest. Yeah, exactly. That's been a huge difference. Um, Even that, I still struggled a little bit with like the thought of it, which seems weird, but I feel like other people, other athletes have that issue. You do, or anyone, like right now, I just feel like it's like a constant um, need to be productive. I have that. Like, I just feel like I should always be be on it and doing something but um yeah it's not always the best <laughs> yeah i think if you're a, a if you're driven enough to be a successful athlete you're probably not the sort of person that likes sitting down doing nothing uh, yeah i think it probably comes hand in hand yeah exactly i think everyone's probably like that if they're racing because you kind of maybe need that to to keep you training <laughs> definitely Cool. Well, it's been really nice chatting and a lot of fun riding. Thank you for that. No worries. I'm glad you enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, it was ace. If people want to keep up to date with you over the season, where's the best place for them to follow you? Uh, Probably Instagram. So just Michaela Python on Instagram. Nice one. We'll stick it in the show notes for people. But yeah, thank you very much. All the best for what hopefully will be a full 2021 season and no more cancelled races. And yeah, looking forward to seeing how it goes for you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great. That's a pleasure. Nice one. (laughs) Cheers. Thanks. All right, that's it for this episode with Michaela. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Muckoff for supporting this episode. Don't forget to enter our competitions, being with a chance of winning an awesome Muckoff bike-specific pressure washer. Head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash Muckoff now. That's downtimepodcast.com forward slash M-U-C-O-F-F. Muckoff are also offering all downtime listeners 20% off. And all you need to do is use the code DOWNTIME20 at the checkout on muckoff.com. That's downtime, all one word, all uppercase, followed by the number 20. Also, a massive thanks to PNW Components. They have stock of their range handlebar ready and waiting for you over at pnwcomponents.com. So if you're in the market for a new bar that works perfectly with the geometry of a modern bike, then the PNW range handlebar is the one. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, you can get your hands on some of our brand new spring and summer 2021 merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the show. You know what to do by now. Please keep on spreading the word about the podcast. Tell your riding mates and share the episodes on your social media. It makes a massive difference and it really helps me keep this thing going. Also, I'd love a review on Apple Podcasts if you've got some time. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride. (laughs) 